Hey, it's Kevin O'Connor. I've got some big news for you. The Mismatch is hosting its first ever live show in Los Angeles at the El Rey Theater on March 6th. Me and Chris Vernon are going to be there. I'm fired up about it. At the El Rey Theater, there's been performers like Bob Dylan and Kendrick Lamar and Rage Against the Machine and Licky Lee. I'm fired up. Get to be on that stage with my guy, Chris Vernon. We've been together since 2016 doing NBA podcasts, and now we're going to get to meet a lot of you who have listened to our show for so many years. We'll do a Q&A at the end. We might have some special guests, but we're definitely going to be talking basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. Tickets are going fast, though, so be sure to head to thelray.com to get your tickets now. Doors are going to open at 7 p.m., and the show is going to be starting right at 8 o'clock. Let's go, baby. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard to the world's number one sports and recreation podcast. It's called Cheap Heat. I am Peter Rosenberg. There's something going on Friday edition. Man, big shout out to the uh, all the powers that be at WWE, PR, marketing, etc., um, who have been so fantastic to us here on Cheap Heat and get us these awesome interviews. I don't think there's ever been a better period in the history of the show for talking to top-tier talent, and I'm obviously so grateful uh, for everyone who makes that possible. So thank you guys. Uh, this has been so cool and everyone's been enjoying these Friday shows so much. So in that vein, it's time to get into our interview for this week on the on the back end of that. Maybe take a couple emails and say goodbye. But without any further ado, let's get into this week's big Friday interview with the intercontinental champion Gunther. Our guest is going to be on the big WWE live event, which is coming up a week from Sunday at Madison Square Garden. And I have been told that there will be um, a 20-man battle royal to uh, determine who will face the Intercontinental Champion Gunther at the end of the night. Uh, and our guest today on the show is Gunther. How are you, man? And is, did I get that right? Yes, you did, actually. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Uh, really good, man. Is this going to be your biggest spot at uh, at MSG thus far? Uh, the last time I was at MSG for Christmas, I was in a ladder match to defend the Intercontinental Championship. Um, 
I would say this time it's a better situation for me because whoever challenges me has to go through a battle royal first. So um, it's going to be a less hectic environment for me at least. <laughs> um, but I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the typical one-on-one -on -one big title matches. Um, a ladder match is something a champion has to go through as well, but I'm looking forward to actually have like a singles match in Madison Square Garden for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, I want to go back and, and do a little bit on your history, um, but the Intercontinental Championship is obviously a title that has a, a ton of history, um, but there have been times when it's felt a little neglected um, and not necessarily as important as when you know, your Shawn Michaels and Macho Mans and Bret Hart's have had it. There have been periods where it's been a little less impactful. It, to me, it feels impactful again around your waist. Um, has it meant something? Has the Intercontinental Championship actually meant something truly to you in your career? Um, what it mostly meant for me is like a big opportunity. Um, it's when I won it, obviously it's a nice accomplishment and your name is in the history books more or less. Uh, but that's also when the work starts, when there's eyes on you, when there's, ex there's expectations. Um, and that's what I enjoy as well. It's, I felt like, okay, now it's on me to make the most out of that and make that title the, yeah, the most prestigious title it can be with me as the title holder. And that's my approach about it. I want to leave my own mark in history when it comes to that. And I want people to look back at it in the years to come and be like, yeah, when that guy was on top, that was, that meant something. So, um, obviously this, uh, last couple of years has been super interesting for you. I I'm sure you're aware. Well, let me, let me start here. How much do you pay attention to like wrestling chatter on the internet and things of that nature do you pay attention to it or are you not in on it uh oh of course you do um i think every wrestler that says it doesn't is a little bit <laughs> not telling the full truth um i'm not that deep into that that i know every little thing that goes on but there's if you're on twitter and all those platforms there's no way for you to not see it because people bring stuff to your attention automatically anyway so I'm sure you saw that when you became when when you lost the Walter moniker and became Gunther and then appeared on SmackDown with your new trim mm -hmm. physique. There was a lot of conversation, at least on our show. There was a lot of debate about like the the different presentation of your um character. Um how did you feel about it? Like I just out of curiosity, your name is Walter. Um yes. and it had been that in the Indies. How how did you feel about the switch to Gunther? Um, well, the thing is, like, would I have preferred to keep Walter? Yeah, of course I would have preferred that. But on the other hand, if you look at a wrestler's career, um, like a name change is nothing uncommon um, that, that happens. So I was realistic about it. Um, and for me, at the end, it was also clear it's my real name and the WWE has... Uh, obviously an interest to whoever they uh, to whoever they put on their television to yeah put their original stamp on it uh, if that makes sense um, so I expected it um, obviously Gunther is uh, at the end of the day it's if I would have if Gunther would be my real name and they would have changed it to Walter the reaction would have been exactly <laughs> right 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 yeah Walter is just another older 
uh, German name. Um, so I think it's just more, it was more a case of being used to a certain name and now there's a new name, but I think, yeah, just as I expected, nobody cares anymore about that. Nobody's worried about a new name anymore. I know these things that seem so big at the time quickly, if, if things go well and the person's talented and you're in, you have good stories, it, yeah, it seems like all of a sudden these things that were such a big deal are not that big a deal. Um, yeah. What about, what about the physical change though? You did become a much more slender version uh, of, of what Walter was. Uh, how much weight did you lose and what, what was the logic there? What was the process? Was that, was that a you thing or was that a WWE being like, Hey, we think you should tighten up a bit. Um, I don't even know how much weight exactly I lost. I would say around, I don't know. Let me, I need to do the conversion really quick from kilos. <laughs> thank, thank you. Cause you know, Americans are completely ignorant to kilos. So yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe like 35 pounds or something, 40 pounds. Okay. Um, I gotta say, I always looked, I always liked my look. I always felt comfortable. I always, I never had an issue in the ring with anything. It's like, I always had a good gas tank and stuff. And I really enjoyed the looks of the typical old school heavyweights that look like, Butchers, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but just look like can rip you apart. Uh, and in the pro wrestling world, that's cool to have and stuff like that. But then I was thinking also, um, okay, now you make that next big step and you're going to be in front of a live television audience and stuff like that. So I got to bring a new version of myself. Um, and that was the whole process behind it then obviously had uh kyle and geo giving me the push and be like let's do it and stuff like that because obviously for somebody that didn't have to look after his nutrition for so many years i always worked out a lot and i always ate like good stuff but i always never cared about how many calories left right. we need to do because just the big guy um so that obviously was like a process of getting used to a new lifestyle um so but now I, i'm glad i made the decision and i think it paid off uh big time so um yeah it was just time to update things a little bit progress so so how did young walter uh discover this art form known as professional wrestling um i mean it's the obvious thing like everybody does wf when you were young and stuff but uh my parents took me in vienna they took me to the tournament to the wrestling tournament there there used to be one every year i think for like 50 days or something in the summer but it trimmed down over the years uh when the business got worse um and that's actually the first time i i saw it or heard of it and then i used to watch vhs tapes and stuff like that um in the of the mid 90s uh pay-per-views and stuff that were very popular uh in austria and germany um and yeah that's just yeah, how I got to know it, and then you get hooked on it, really. What, how did Austria consume WWF at that time? Was it on TV at night? Was it on cable? Like, how did you actually get it? Uh, Austria, Austria doesn't really have that many TV channels on their own. A lot of our TV channels are German channels, so the German TV German TV station would always have it on. Um, and actually, it was the, the, the delay wasn't too bad. Well, maybe just a week or something like that. And even the pay-per-views were on free TV with like a one-week delay or something wow. like that. That's pretty nice. Um, but that died down. So I think when the Attitude Era started, that's when they must have lost some TV or changed TV rights in, in Germany. 
and then it moved to a channel that we couldn't really get in Austria because I think it was a German cable station or something like that. So we didn't really have any access anymore. That's when it kind of like died down for me as well because it wasn't accessible. But then obviously when the internet came into play, um, that's when it was accessible again. That's when I was yeah back on it basically. And did you did you wrestle in school? Uh, no, there's also that concept that's... Uh, we don't have that in in Europe, like it's in America that you have those like school you do sports at school, but it's more it would be football or like soccer. soccer. Yeah. Um, that would be the most popular one. Everything else, sports wise, you would rather do like outside of school and stuff like that. So, but no, I didn't do any amateur wrestling or something before. So, what age were you when you actually started learning and training on some level? This crowd. Oh, I think I went to the wrestling school 2005, so I must have been 17 or 18 at that point when I did my first training. And then, uh, yeah, I just went once a week, one-on-one -on -one training with my coach back then, and then had my first matches, and then it slowly, slowly, slowly developed. What was the first big break in your career? The first big break? Well, it took a while. <laughs> because that's the thing as well. To a little bit explain a little bit where we come from. Um, the same goes for Kaiser and Geo. Is uh, it wasn't really like Austria, Germany. There was a wrestling scene, but uh, indie wrestling scene. But if you were lucky, you had like ten matches a year if it was good. So, and then I moved to Germany after a few years, and that's when we really started like digging in, and a group of people like got really committed and in a promotion called WXW in Germany. That's where we all committed our time. That's where we all went. Okay. There is no, there's no wrestling business here. We got to really create it our own. We got to make it happen. And we had the promotion was motivated to make a next step and a core group of wrestlers were ready to commit. And yeah, we put in the work and then at the end we were at 60, 70 events a year. Uh, wow. with, just for WXW and that provided a platform for yeah for a lot of the wrestlers to progress and get better but also to make some sort of income that would justify them stepping back stepping back a little bit in their real life careers uh, if that makes sense um, and that's what it really started and then WXW became a little bit popular and that's when I was able to yeah have my break out and wrestling in, in England and go to the US Indies and stuff like that and that's when it really got that's when it really got going. So were did you know Ludwig and Gio always? Uh I knew uh I didn't know Gio before WB, but I knew Ludwig since I think 2007 or something. Okay. So we've been on shows in Germany together uh yeah, since then basically. Since he debuted, we lived in the we lived in the northern part of Germany, so very often we would drive together as well because it would just be on the way and stuff like that. So yeah, with 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 Ludwig, I'm sharing. Yeah. Well, my 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 my, my, uh, my co-host, that guy Greg, sent sent me a question. He said that you he said you mentioned on the bump recently how influenced you were by Ludwig's dad, yeah. um, and that you even say the mat is sacred in honor of him. Um, tell us. Tell us, uh, people who might be a little bit ignorant, uh, about Ludwig Kaiser's father. Yeah, so there was at a time too where uh, Ludwig and myself, everybody was kind of like trying to find their identity 
to, to be authentic characters and stuff. Uh, and yeah, Ludwig's father was like he was he was a he's he passed away already a few years ago. He was a he was an older man by then already. Um, but he wrestled in the, all the big tournaments in Germany and Austria in the 70s and 80s. My parents were fully aware of who he was. They watched him so many times in Vienna. Um, and he would still come to events later on when we wrestled. He would just pop in backstage and tell some tales and stuff. And he was the one who would always say the mat is sacred to him. And we could like kind of like identify with that. We, especially Kaiser and I, we really enjoyed watching those old... Uh, documentaries on German TV about the, the, the tournaments in, in, in Germany and stuff like that. And just the vibe and the, uh, just like how more, how, like it was, everything was more basic and more, the, the presentation was more focused on the competition and stuff like that. And we could really identify with that. And we took that on. And then also at the same time, uh, Timothy Thatcher was in WXW all the time. And he was the one who actually had the music for years already, like the classical piece. And he was the one who did the the pose we do. He did that for years before already as well. And we got along great with him, personal, but also like on the on the wrestling side. And we were just saying like, hey, let's. We have the whole we had the whole idea with the ide ideology coming from Kaiser's father, and with Tim, it was the matching, like there was the matching music, there was the matching like Domina and stuff like that. And we're like, hey, let's combine it. Let's be that group uh that takes this this stuff serious and that doesn't accept anybody goofing around on its expense. Um and then that's just we started it and it's a definitely a proud accomplishment that we still have where we are now and we're still doing the exact same thing. Uh just in a better version obviously because you learn over time. But the base idea is still the exact same thing that it was uh back in germany in front of 150 people wow um that's super duper cool uh do you feel like playing the you guys being imperium and playing this sort of who you are this this european trifecta faction if you will i feel like in america we're not very nuanced with your accent you know yeah. i i feel like the way that we perceive germany and Austria is still in weird ways, still very much shaped by Nazi Germany. Yeah. And I feel like people hear accents. There can be a level of intimidation. I mean, you know, listen, I, I obviously as a, a Jewish American, I understand that because you grow up when you're young and you learn about this stuff. And a lot of people, it's really sad. Germany has so much important cultural influence musically in this field and so many other things. But obviously the first thing you learn about is world war II. Um, yeah. is that a stigma that's hard? Is that something you like actually deal with or like have to hear about? Um, and how do you handle that? Um, yeah, obviously, like you mentioned it, it is, that's, uh, that's the history of the country or the two countries. Um, that's nothing we can ever change or something. We just have to live with it. Um, but obviously that's something that got thrown at us before and still gets thrown at us, but it's just, we don't really acknowledge it because it's so far away from what the idea is and uh, what the truth is. And often I also blame it on like people not, yeah, I don't know. It's like they just see the first obvious thing and, and jump on it. And it doesn't really represent the culture in our countries either, because say Austria and Germany have made yeah huge efforts 
to be hard on themselves when it comes to the history and stuff like that and keep themselves in check. Um, and that's something I think everybody who is from there, and also when I talk about it with Kaiser, that's something actually, we, it's one of the things we're mostly proud of when it comes to our cultures, because it's really, there's no nice talking about it and stuff like that. And people who try get, yeah, they get ran over right away. There's no way to justify any of that. And I think we shouldn't mix up ideologies and uh, stylistics, if that makes sense, because everything we want to be is far away from that. This, That's really well not- said. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Jedi are being murdered. Now streaming, Star Wars Returns, only on Disney+. Plus. I didn't do it! Believe me! She was my student. Let me be the one to bring her in. Now she is a student of the dark side. An acolyte. Star Wars The Acolyte. New episodes Tuesdays, only on Disney+. Plus. I think Americans don't know. If you haven't done the research, you may not know how Germany and Austria make an effort to really deal with it head on. I mean, and without me going down any sort of political rabbit hole, you know, we have a tendency in America to really do a lot about things that have happened other places. We're not not as good at owning some of the things that have happened here. And for all of the awful history that exists there, yeah, I know it's a really known thing that like there's absolutely zero tolerance of it. And it's really taught to young Germans and Austrians. So I, I think that's well said. I just, it's feel, I feel remiss to not mention it at all because when you hear the names, you hear the voices, we in America and all over the world, people have stereotypes um, of the first thing they know about a group. So I wanted to at least address that on some level. And, yeah. and then obviously you guys have this also very serious demeanor uh, too. And I have to tell you, one of the, one of the funniest things I, I, I catch myself when I do the kickoff shows and I, I don't know you guys at all. Cause around the time you guys came up, uh, I wasn't around that much or no, it was, it was pandemic. And I, I, I just didn't really see you. I wasn't going to SmackDown TVs. So one of the first times I've told the story of the podcast before, but one of the first times I saw you guys, it was coming backstage 
And I think you ran into uh, the Street Profits. And, you know, listen, as much as I do the kickoff shows and I, I think I have an understanding of what's going on, sometimes I really catch myself and how much of a fan I am um, taking who you are in the ring completely serious. And yeah. you guys came back and all had like handshakes with the street profits and were like goof, <laughs> goofing off. And I remember I was just like, oh my God, Imperium. They, they seem like great guys. And I was, <laughs> but it really spoke to how believable you guys are and how seriously you do take that character in the ring. And yeah. I think, I think that's a credit to you because these days, the super serious guys who aren't sort of, you guys aren't winking. You're not winking being like, we're serious. Ah, ha, ha. You're really serious out there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like we mean it, like we are. We build our livelihood around that. Why should we not take it serious? It's like, and there's no there's no playing a character or anything like that. That's just what we are. And we express it, obviously, in a more extradigated way uh, in the ring. Uh, but I think that's why it works. Uh, and that's what we thought about it like years ago when we, yeah took that as our identity and was like, okay, we, that, that's who we are. We just let it all out in the ring and it's going to be authentic. And that's, yeah, that, that, that's what it is. Now, does that mean, would you ever be open to the idea? You know, obviously characters have cycles in wrestling. That's how it goes. And if you're a good enough, bad guy for long enough, you're going to be a good guy. And, and we go around and around. Uh, could you ever picture a world in which the the Imperium thing, your guys' real personalities, how it's injected into it, could be tweaked in a way that's humorous? Is that something that would ever interest you, or do you always want to be sort of very serious? Um, I think, so, we did it before in different places, not on that big of a stage, obviously, and if it comes natural, it's definitely possible. I think a lot of people can relate to us and can connect to us. I think I always see it in how I see that when, when we walk out, anywhere it's usually the the blackout the music hits people get excited and they cheer for a second but then the light goes on and then everybody Ooh, goes right ah. so i think that's like a i think that's like a great sign that also shows that deep down they must respect or appreciate what we do in the ring but also then we get them back to be like they really look not they don't look like the guys who would cheer and support, <laughs> right, right? No, no. <laughs> uh I think it's a good situation. Very good. Uh, speaking of good situation, I have to imagine you were pleased with the Royal Rumble. Um, was yeah. that, first of all, would you describe that as your biggest moment thus far as a WWE superstar? And what was that experience like going all the way down the stretch with Cody like that? Um, yeah, it was a it was great for me, obviously. It's a great opportunity for me to show everybody on that big of a stage what I'm about and what I can do. Um I wasn't really focused on before, like being in the being in the ring that long, and there would be a record that might go off or something like that. I literally paid zero attention to that. I was just focused on yeah, what's gonna happen in the ring actually. Um, and then at the end, also to have those six seven minutes with Cody, which I think going down the line is an ideal match for me. Um, that was great to do as well to give it a little bit of a yeah, for teaser what could happen uh when we have a match um so was very pleased with it also going in as first it's like as soon as i knew i'm gonna be in the rumble i was hoping it's like i hope i'm gonna be first that's the best time for me that's the best spot then you're gonna be in for a while you can let it all out in the ring 
and if you you manage to win as the the number one entrant, then you're you're a legend automatically. That's like the so it's the for me it was the the the, the spot I really wanted. So did, that night. so did you not do the math? Did no one like do you know beforehand like wow this is going to be the longest appearance ever in a regular Royal Rumble or that's just you know you're going to be in there from wire to wire. No, yeah, no, I, nobody brought it up and I wasn't thinking about it either. There was zero on my mind. I'm not a big, I'm not a big, yeah, how you call it, like record keeping, guy. Like, yeah, I'm not a big record guy and stuff like that. It's when it, when it happens, it's like, oh, cool, but I'm not, I'm not, there's, an, there's no calendar on my wall with the days I'm intercontinental <laughs> champion. I'm just axing the days <laughs> to get away. Uh, I just found out afterwards. A few people came out. I was, oh, man, you broke the record. I was like, oh, really? That's yeah. Great. So, yeah. It's a pretty cool one. It's a pretty cool one. And the only one who's ever done it longer was Daniel Bryan in the greatest Royal Rumble, but that, of course, had 50 people in it. So it's a different thing. What about, what was the yeah. experience like with Cody? Like, uh, did you come away from it being like, "Oh, I, I, I understand why this guy is the man right now." Um, I obviously I do understand why he's the man right now. I think he carries himself in a in a, in a great way. He's an absolute professional. Um, I think his backstory is uh, phenomenal. Um, and yeah, I wish him all the best in whatever he does now. But um at the end i think our way's gonna yeah cross like we're gonna cross path again and uh i'm excited for that um and also in general it was a great situation because cody had his big comeback to the company but then there was the big injury and then he was out and almost at the same time i came up and i could work my way up the ranks more or less and then when i was just cody and me i was like you're gonna get it now. Like some, I I was thinking like, okay, it's, I gotta let him know that, yeah. Even though in those few months, times have changed here, and I'm here now, and I'm not going anywhere. And it it potentially creates such good seeds for you guys to to revisit later. You know that you got to do this historic thing, but it was ruined by by Cody. Um, yeah. it could it could lead to some fun stuff. Do you do you uh? How much are you thinking about WrestleMania and how important is it to you uh, to have a, a spot there to defend your Intercontinental Championship? Oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely exciting. I think I said it before, I've never became, I never started wrestling because it was my goal. Like, I got to make it to WWE, I got to make it to WrestleMania. I always just wanted to be a wrestler and make a living off that and be, be happy. But now, since the ball got rolling and now I'm there, it's like, I, I can't wait. I'm excited for it. That's the, it's going to be the biggest opportunity for me in my whole career to show what I can do on that stage. Um, and I think I did my part that also deservingly, there's going to be intercontinental championship match at WrestleMania. Um, and yeah, I'm excited and, um, I can't wait to put on a match that people are going to remember for you as a superstar. How fun is the entrance? Because I'm thinking about what your entrance will be like at SoFi Stadium. Like a WrestleMania entrance is obviously crazy, right? It's a whole thing. But in general, how fun is the entrance part relative to the actual work in the ring? Um, like fun. Fun is like a, I enjoy. I, I enjoy being in the ring all the time and stuff like that. But you're kind of like in the in the zone, if that makes sense. Focused on. Going to the ring. Right. So you're actually thinking about the work you have to do. You're not necessarily able to soak up like how cool it is that people well, are reacting I, to your trunk, you know, the whole thing. I soak it up in the moment and also like especially in San Antonio for the rumble that we had the 
super long walkway super down. Endless. I, I loved it because you just walk there and you just, yeah, take in the energy. Um, but thinking about it as that super cool or something that's maybe a day or two later when you digested everything. Uh, as a professional, you cannot be, cannot get carried away with stuff like that. You gotta, gotta stay focused. Um, who is out there that you would really love to get to, uh, lock up with? I mean, there's the obvious ones Cody I mentioned, then obviously Brock is the one that has to happen at some point. Um, I think that would be my, I, I, I guess I made him my personal biggest obstacle. I think, um, is, but, there, is there any relationship there? No, it's not the, like, and the rumble was literally the first time I think I met him. Um, what, what was that like? What was that interaction like? Brief, but I think that moment that we have in the, that moment that we had in the rumble was, was great because that was all I needed out of it. It was basically like a, real life confirmation that the audience is is up for that they want to see it um but no there's no there was no relation out there he was just when i watched when i watched him when he started with wwe he was that was always the most impressive guy to me absolute beast and then i saw his stuff in in, in japan the ufc and then he came back and is on top since then one of the best wrestlers to ever do it uh in my mind he went yeah, just for that reason, I want to be able to prove myself against him. Now, when someone, I have to ask you, like for me, Brock is that one person that, you know, for years when I'd see him, I just sort of like, you know, give a little wave and kind of keep walking. But when you're Gunther and you're a large, intimidating presence in your own right, how do you feel with the first time you like actually see Brock Lesnar backstage? Is there a level of intimidation because he's the man? Or I mean, he's, a, he's an impressive person in general, right? I think when he walks to the ring, although the rumble, when he walks out, everybody just looks wise, automatically thinks, man, he's the killer here, definitely. And uh, but that's also what makes him special. It's almost like a yeah, I don't care about anything attitude. I do I do out there and do my bit uh i destroy i take over and yeah that's just what he does and i think people can yeah relate to him very good because he's authentic it never felt like rock lesnar was ever playing anything or something like that it's a really good point and in, in terms of what you were talking about how you want to be with imperium he yeah. is that he's very much that too it's just like that that's who he is i don't know that there is maybe Maybe if you get a chance to talk to him, you realize like, yes, he is a normal, nice human being, but like he takes the business seriously. It's business. He likes to go out there. He likes to hunt animals. That's who the dude is. Yeah. And yeah. And I think for, yeah, all those reasons, I think yeah, that's, that's who I should go after in the long run. Yeah, I, I, I love it. Uh, last thing for you, who, what other superstars, you know, you're relatively new, but you are experienced, you know, you, you've been around, did the Indies, did. Uh, in Europe, you came here what, what, through PWG, did a whole lot of different things. You've seen a lot. What other new or because I don't want to just say young because not everybody's young. People have a grind in this business. What new or young talent do you see in WWE that just has a tremendously high ceiling and potential? Um, I would say just pick two now. I think obviously Ilya Dragunov in NXT now has unlimited potential. Uh, like if 
like a fantastic wrestler, but also like a very intense character, very outstanding character. And also, I think uh, Axion on NXT is a amazing talent that I can see doing a lot of things. I think those two would be the the ones I would pay close attention to. Um, and last, last, last thing: What does Gunther do in in regular life? Like, wrestling is your job, as you've said earlier. You're like happy that you just get to make a living doing something that you love. Um, what do you do when you're not? Uh, at WWE, um, yeah, that's the thing. At the moment, we they keep us quite busy, so resting, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, spending time with the wife, always with friends. Um, it's really nothing. There's no specific hobby or something like that. Really, um, I like to stay on top of things with politics. I like history. Watch a bunch of documentaries and stuff like that. Um, but besides from that, I think I'm a very simple and uh, basic person that enjoys or tries to enjoy the little things in life and and is, has married life been nice for you i know you're pretty recently married has that been has it been nice very nice yes can't complain uh, um hey man thank you so much for the time and congratulations on everything so far excited to see where things uh, shape up for you in wrestlemania season and of course again uh, a week from sunday at the garden there's still tickets available Gunther will defend the IC title against the winner of a 20-man battle royal. These live events, I saw you on the last one. These live events at the Garden, there's a special feel there. I can't recommend it enough. And uh, we look we look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And I cannot wait to be back in Madison Square Garden and in general be back in New York City. I love that place. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for the time. Thank you very much. Big thank you to Gunther and everyone over at WWE for making that happen. Uh, enjoyed that conversation. Nice getting to know him. Um, he very he very much seems kind of like how you'd expect him to be. No? Like nice, but serious. You know what I mean? Like he's about this life, this wrestling life. Um, first of all, big shout out to everyone who's emailed about the um, social media position I'm looking to potentially fill with someone helping me out. Um, and I, I'm just going through everyone's emails and I will reach out to some people. I, I super appreciate it. Hopefully we can find something that's a fix. I definitely want to get my social media game on point now quickly, a little bit of mail. Um, let's start with Sakari who says, Hey Pete, just listen to Tuesday's episode. It was a classic. I was already enjoying it fully with Linder's birthday and everything. And then you went ahead and read my email. Keep up the good work and pass on my apologies to Dip for comparing him to Tony Khan. Sakari, I thought it was a fair uh, apology. I mean, a fair uh, criticism. Tony Khan or Jays? Tony Khan plus. Mail. Hey, fellas. Uh, I had a thought while watching Gargano, Otis, and Maximum Male Model segment uh, in this week's segment on Raw. Um, and I'd love to hear you guys weigh in on something. I feel like there's a whole division of wrestlers on the roster that aren't quite jobbers but aren't quite mid-carders. So what are they? Mid lights, mud carters, jobbers plus, meh. He wrote med, M E H apostrophe D. It's very hard to read that, even though I know exactly what you mean. I'm sure you guys could come up with a better name for them. And I thought it would be fun to hear you toss some ideas around. Nothing would make me pop more than hear you guys come up with something and then having MJF use it on TV the next week. Love you all. Really digging the two shows a week. Oh, that's awesome, Matt. Thank you. Uh, let's see. You, you do make a good point because there are all these people that are like, they're mid-card, but really they're always losing. Like when you see them in a match, you're like, oh, they're going to lose. 
So they're they're really like they are jobbers plus. They are mid card adjacent. When I was a kid, my my uncle used to refer to jobbers. You know, listen, no one like knew anything about wrestling or anything, so no one knew any terms. That wasn't what the time was. But my uncle would refer to them as dog meat. That was always the term I used for like bums, as I saw it. You know, Barrio dog meat. Don't know why. Don't know where he got that term. Is that a thing? Probably not. Either way, male. Insert witty intro here, says Keith. Been a long time fan of the pod. I'd be interested to hear your tease on the Bray Wyatt of it all. His return was great, but everything after has fallen kind of flat for me. I'm usually the wait and see type, but everything they've done so far just hasn't been great to me. P.S. Crossover comment from the one at pod. Plus ones are only given to those who are in serious relationships and or significant others that you know. I lost a quote friend because we didn't let him come with a random date to the wedding. Stay mage KB from Buffalo. Agree with you 100% on that. My thoughts on the Bray Wyatt of it all. Um, Loved the, the build. Loved how we got to his return. That whole thing was a ton of fun. Since he's returned, has it met my expectations? Um, No, we have not done the thing yet that really has made me like, oh, man. I mean, obviously, the Mountain Dew situation, you know, that's not, it was fine. But obviously, no one was waiting for Bray to come back so they could get this Mountain Dew match. You know, the Uncle Howdy thing appears to be really cool now. It could be great. We just haven't gotten it yet. I, I, I hear that. Um, I have not lost interest. I care when Bray's on screen. And like I said on Tuesday's episode, I loved his video um, making fun of Lashley. Thought that Thought there's some potential fun there. I really hope, because Bray and Bobby seem so random, I really hope they, they end up finding something there because they're both awesome. But I hope it doesn't feel like a throwaway. I hope it feels like something that really hits. Mail. We never got to talk about Stack Guy Greg's take the other day on Twitter, which was basically I'm saying if Kenny Omega and the Bucks come to WWE, they better go to NXT first because they have to learn from Shawn Michaels. And a lot of, I mean, a lot of engagement. A lot of people going after the old SGG. I thought he was wrong. Um, Thought it was a fun take, fun conversation. Not a big deal, but I do, I Kenny Omega, none of them would, would, I don't think would need it, particularly Kenny. The Buck style is so far from what they do in WWE that I think that's a more reasonable conversation to have. But I, Kenny to me is one of the best wrestlers in the world. You know, like the Bucks to me are kind of one trick ponies with how they wrestle. I don't feel that way about Kenny. You know, um, I would give Kenny a manager probably of some sort and still let him talk at some point. I think that's where he would really need work in a WWE way is the character. The wrestling? No, I think he's good. Anyways, uh, Tim Lane says, to the no-take kid Peter Rosenberg and the new hot-take kids SUG and Dip, writing you about a scorcher from our boy SUG on Twitter yesterday, the hot taker, he essentially said that if Kenny Omega joins the WWE, he's got an NXT first. I just told you all that. It's wild for a handful of reasons, mainly that the sheer moment of him showing up in WWE would be so wildly watered down if he first appears on NXT instead. Looking at AJ and Cody as recent comps, you don't give away that type of debut slash moment. By the way, it's a great point. Him showing up at NXT would just be, you're, you, yeah. 
Uh, but the point of my writing, SGG was very defensive that AJ was more main roster ready than Kenny is and stayed in mic work as key example. Dog, AJ Styles was good on the mic when he arrived? Come on. He's still mediocre at best. Both are incredibly in, incredibly rare errors in ring performers, but Kenny's highs in the rings are arguably higher than AJ has ever achieved. He is 1,000% main roster ready if AJ was. One thing I do feel strongly about, if he joins, I think WWE needs to present Kenny as the international wrestling god he was in Japan. Grand entrance, let him rotate between speaking English and Japanese, treat his matches like big deals, full cleaner. AEW floundered him so badly. I remember his debut to mainstream American audiences on the Dynamite premiere was him randomly coming down the ring to check on a woman wrestler after her match. Baffling. Announcer was just like, here's Kenny checking on a friend. He should have been positioned like AEW had captured wrestling's King Kong, and this was the only place on earth you get to see him, even if for a second. He then spent his whole title run with Don Callis being a wormy, corny heel. Last year has been all trios matches. All feel so off. If Cody has proven anything, it's that WWE isn't above showing AEW that they can position their own talent a hell of a lot better than they can. This is a perfect chance to do it. Long live cheap heat. Tim, Tim, love it. Agree with you. I did see an email or two supporting SGG, um, but the reality is, listen, maybe, maybe, um, maybe you can make the argument for the Bucks, not for Kenny, and I completely agree. I completely agree that if you'd framed Kenny that way, I love the way he said it, like you've captured King Kong or Godzilla. Oh my God, AEW is Kenny Omega. We're going to see Kenny Omega in three weeks. Make it like a thing. They, they, there's so much talent there, man. But they, they just do not know how to bill people and handle people in a way that makes them mean something. And maybe there's no better example of that than the great Kenny Omega. Rosenberg beats at gmail.com if you want to get in on the mailbag. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys very, very much. Hope you enjoyed this week's uh, Friday episode. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Shout out to producer Troy the Goy, SGG and Dip. Stay mage and enjoy yourself this weekend, and we'll catch you on Tuesday. I went to makeup and like sat in front of the mirror a little bit and got myself together. Also, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I would like to introduce. Red Heart is the greatest professional wrestler in the history of the art form. Mitch.